I'm Kate Cornish, editor of My VIP, the customer magazine for Pets at Home, and I'd like to welcome you to the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. The idea with this series of podcast episodes is to take you through everything you need to know from planning for a kitten all the way through to their first adult years, really, where we're going to cover everything from what you should do to kitten-proof your home, what to feed them, how to play with them, how to understand them. And to do this, I will be joined by many expert guests and with their advice and support, we are hoping to help you and your new pet have a wonderful time together. So hope you enjoy them. Let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Pets at Home Kitten Podcast. Welcoming a new cat or kitten into your home is an exciting experience and can be the beginning of a wonderful companionship. Adopting a cat also comes with a lot of change for you both. So with this in mind, we've put together this episode on planning for your new kitten or cat, and we hope it will make you make the transition as smooth as possible for both of you. And why don't you join the Pets at Home Kitten Club? The club is there to support you and your kitten with expert advice and exclusive offers throughout their first year. So join up. You can go online, or as I say, you can download the app and join there too. Okay, so this episode, I'm joined again by Carleen Herman, who is the head of pets at Pets at Home, as well as being a qualified vet. And also joining us on this episode is Dr. Samantha Gaines, who is head of companion animal science at the RSPCA. Hi, Sam. Hi, Carleen. Hello. Hello. So, Carleen, if I can um, come to you first, what are the key questions that you should be asking yourself if you're thinking of getting a kitten? I'm guessing it's things like working hours, uh, where you live, your type of home, um, how much money you've got. They're all big factors. How do you how do you know if you're ready for a kitten? It's not as simple as it sounds, is it? It's it's not. And yeah, all, all those things you mentioned are, are important. You know, regardless of what kind of pet you get, I think um, you need to consider sort of your home environment, budget, time, etc. And I think it's quite important, obviously, you know, we've got a whole series of puppy podcasts, but now we're on to kittens and cats that cats are very different to dogs. Um, and I think often they're considered sort of small dogs, but they 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 are very different and 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 they've got different motivations, different things that they like. And it's actually it can be quite difficult to understand your cat or kitten. Um and and what people want from their kitten and cat can be quite different. So, you know, you might want a cat to to cuddle and 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 have them sit on your lap all day. But other people would rather just have a very independent cat that spends most of its time outside and just comes in for the odd, um, you know, cuddle and comes in for food and, and and maybe doesn't want too much human interaction. So cats can be quite different. And, and unlike dogs, I guess, they, they can be a bit more unpredictable um, as to what they'll be like when, when they grow up. Um, so, yeah, the, the way each individual cat or kitten behaves you know, obviously depends on, on its personality, but also early experiences are really important or or lack thereof. Um, and, and so, you know, if you get, for example, feral kittens, I think, Sam, you, you might agree with this. It, it's really difficult to, to ever get them, you know, really socialized and accepting of human contact and be cuddly cats. They, they'll probably be, be fearful for the rest of their life. Equally, if you've got a kitten that's grown up in a different environment, um, they can be very comfortable with people and, and life in, in general. 
Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with you, Callie. I mean, so much of what happens in those very, very early weeks really does help shape how cats are going to behave as they become adults. So, yeah, they're super, super important. So it is, you know, when people are thinking about getting kittens, it's also about making sure that they have got that time that they need. We, we typically think about introducing puppies, for example, to lots of different social and environmental experiences, but kittens need that as well. They've got to know the world within which we expect them to live and to cope. So we also need to be able to commit to giving them those good positive exposures to give them the best chance of growing up to be really happy, healthy and confident. So Carleen, is there is there like a time limit? Is there, is there an age gap that you, you need to make sure that they're socialised and have um, experienced all these positive things that they need to experience before they get to a certain age? Or is it just... I mean, sim- similar to puppies, I guess, there's this, what they call socialisation window, which isn't from one day to the next, the window closes and that's it. But I think generally it's accepted that in cats... It happens a lot earlier than in puppies. So often by the time you get your your kitten, which is usually, you know, eight, well, eight weeks would be the the youngest, but often kittens go to the new home, sort of maybe 10 or 12 weeks. Most of their early experiences and, 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 and socialization has happened before that. So that's why it's even more important, I guess, that you 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 know where your kittens come from and what experiences it's had um, early on. Okay, so what are the other factors that uh, a new owner would have to bear in mind before they, when they were considering getting a kitten? Well, I was going to go back to sort of, you know, how cats maybe are different to dogs in terms of maintenance. I think a lot of people assume that cats are, are lower maintenance compared to dogs. And obviously in terms of walking and maybe training, they are they are less maintenance, but they do still need a lot of care. And, and again, this is really individual from cat to cat. So, you know, things to think about is, um, you know, how much time do you want to or have you got time to spend with your cat? Um, do you want a demanding cat or do you only have little time and actually you need a more independent one? So I think cats can fit really well into busy modern lifestyles, maybe maybe even more easily than dogs. And that's certainly why I have a cat currently and not a dog. Um, Although I've got a really needy one, so that didn't quite work out. But um, they are, generally cats are quite independent and they can be left alone much more easily. Um, And so they might also be more suitable for for maybe um, sort of flats or, or smaller houses. So I think generally we see cats being chosen by people who maybe have a have a, a, a busy lifestyle and they, they do want some companionship when they get home to relax, but not the commitment of, of, of going out for walks. Should we say something about cats do hunt? I mean, dogs, dog, you know, you've got, you got a your dog out on your walk. It might grab the occasional squirrel or go for a rabbit if it's if it's that way inclined. But cats do actually hunt and you can't stop them can you we would advise owners that do let their cats out to keep them in around dawn and dusk because that's when they particularly want to hunt um but also about just giving them opportunities to express that behavior inside so making sure that they've got lots of opportunities to play with toys that they can chase and actually pounce on because that allows them to express that behavior and it gives a really good outlet for that behavior as well and there's lots of research now around that's you know really sort of like looking at what why it is that some cats really do express strong hunting behavior and others don't we we are getting to understand a lot more around what drives that behavior and it, and it definitely varies from individual to individual but it it is a very strong behavior in some cats 
And I think that there was a study recently, wasn't Sam, that showed that if you play with your cat a lot, they actually hunt less. So if you are worried about your kitten or cat hunting, um, one of the ways you can you can try and reduce it is by yeah giving them lots of opportunities to play and, and pounce on their toys. Some some people might might choose to keep their cat or kitten indoors. I mean, certainly as a kitten, before they're fully vaccinated and neutered, you'd have them indoors anyway. But some people, for whatever reason, maybe they live by a busy road, choose to keep their cat indoors or they live in a flat, um, which you can do. But it is obviously quite important that you still give them that outlet to express all those behaviours as well. So even more important is, is making sure you play with them. They've got hides, they've got scratch posts to express all those behaviours that they normally would. I have heard that some people keep their cats indoors and don't let them out because they were very expensive and are frightened that they'll run away or get stolen. That's not really why you should have a kitten, is it? Because it's expensive and it looks pretty. No, but then, you know, I, I would say, I mean, depending on the breed, obviously, I, I would say a lot of pedigree cats do actually quite enjoy human company. That they're probably their guess their personalities are often a little bit more predictable than maybe a, a moggy um, or a crossbred cat. Um, and so they might not um venture as far anyway, although that's quite a generalization. It really depends on the on the breed. But your cat will let you know as well. I mean, my my cat is a pedigree and I wasn't going to let him out because I was worried just generally for his safety, not because he's a pedigree. But then one day he jumped out of a first floor bedroom window because he was that keen Ooh. to get outside, I think. So, you know, then decided to let him out and he's got a microchip operated cat flap and it, it shuts. Um, he's, he's on a curfew. So at night he can't go out because that's Often the time, you know, if 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 cats do get run over by cars, it's often dusk and dawn or at night or, you know, they often fight at those times as well. So you yeah. can get these cat flaps that um, sort of keep them in at certain times. Just going to say as well, in terms of I think, it, you know, what's really important is sort of like is consistency as well. Um, so, you know, if you've got a cat that is used to going outside, it's super, super important that you don't suddenly change your behaviour and keep your cat inside because yeah. that can be hugely stressful for cats and then can cause really quite serious um, bladder issues. So, yeah. you know, Callie would be much better able than I to talk about that. But, you know, in terms of like the welfare impact of suddenly changing access to outside it is very very significant and something that you know we we really can't stress enough to people about just making sure that you do allow them to go out on a regular basis if that if that's what they're used to doing however I suppose if you're adopting a kitten you're not going to know what the previous preferences or his lifestyle was like are you all the time no, I mean, it's more it's more around if you bring a kitten into your home and like Callie was saying, you know, they have to stay in anyway until they've been vaccinated and neutered. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, once you then commit to giving your cat that access to the outdoors and if your cat really enjoys going outside, preventing that access is then you know has the potential to be really serious for that individual so you know it's it's one thing about perhaps restricting their time outside whether that's to avoid them going out at night time or if for example your cat's on a timeshare with someone else's in the neighborhood that we see increasingly but it, it's it's more about just making sure that you are consistent with with the access that you give them outside so that they don't end up in a situation where they're so frustrated because they used to go out and then they can no longer do that Right. Okay. And like Carlene, you said your your cat will obviously let you know 
exactly what they want to do. Desperate to get out. Yeah. yeah. As we know, cats rule the universe, they rule our lives, they rule the world. Uh, So, yeah, they're in charge and they will let you know. So, Carleen, how would one go about deciding what sort of kitten you want? I mean, some people um, have a a particular breed in mind or some people don't care, just want your lovely, beautiful, cute, bog-standard moggy. Nothing bog-standard about moggies. Love them, always had moggies. Um, but yeah, what, what what kind of things, what factors do you have to bear in mind then? Well, moggies, I think, are definitely the most common type of cats out there. And, they, you know, they make wonderful pets. Um, pedigrees obviously have tend to have much more defined characteristics. So it's a bit more predictable, like different dog breeds, different cat breeds have got mm. different traits and, and, and characteristics. But I think another important factor to keep in mind is whether you want a short haired or long haired cat. So um, do you have the time to groom um, your cat every day? So if, if you don't, I would say don't even think about getting a cat with a long coat um, because you will have to groom them, especially when they're little, get them used to it every day to to a brush. Um, I, I, are you talking from experience there? I, I, I know that Actually, you have a long haired cat called Wolfie. I'm I'm really lucky. I, I so when he was a kitten, I did groom him every day because I knew how important it was that he get used to it, and and he did. Um, he actually loves to be groomed, and probably he would still like to be groomed every day, but we don't we don't do it anymore, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, when he has you know an upset tummy as well, you know, with long haired cats, you're gonna get more bits hanging on the back legs. So not a nice topic to talk about, but um, yeah, if if you then have a cat that you can't you know sort of brush or or clean or handle in that way so yeah long-haired cats are are definitely um more more maintenance and another thing that i think is quite important um to mention and kate you you asked it i guess originally in the question is obviously budget and and how much money does it cost to have a cat which people should think about before getting a kitten and while Cats might be less maintenance than dogs. They do live for a long time. And like we said, they do need a lot of care as well. Often they live longer than dogs. Um, so some of the figures that are out there is um, that you should you should think about a cat costing you at least about £12,000 for their lifetime. Wow. Um, and, and that's a minimum. I know when you add it all up, it's quite scary. But oh. that, that's an estimate that, you know, is considered a minimum because if, if your cat becomes unwell or they have an accident yeah. and, and, and you need vet, veterinary care that isn't maybe covered by insurance, this figure kind of assumes you, you've got your cat insured. Um, but if you don't have them insured, then the costs could rise quite drastically as well. I don't know why I was so shocked by that. I mean, it's only it's only, you know, it's only a few hundred quid a year. And also with the insurance and the food and everything, it's not it's not actually that much, is it? I don't know why I sort of did that big wow at that point. Yeah, I don't know what it works out. It's like cost per day, but I would say it's worth every penny. So I'm not worried about it. You can't put a price on a little kitty because they're just (laughs) such adorable pets and companions. So. Once you're happy that you're in a good place to welcome a kitten into your life, what is your advice, Sam, on how to go about getting one? We've seen a huge rise in the demand for kittens during the pandemic lockdown periods. And um, we've seen also that rescue centres are seeing adoption go through the roof. So although it is the first route that we'd obviously always suggest, always adopt um, over buying if you can. And that goes for any pet type. Always go to your rescue centre first or animal charity. Um, and I assume that because of the demand 
Is it not that easy to try and adopt a kitten these days, Sam, or is it just as it ever was? From my SPCA's perspective, like you would always urge people to adopt. Um, and we have seen through various lockdowns like a huge amount of interest in people wanting to adopt. So we've had, you know, huge, huge numbers of people coming onto our find a pet section of the website, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, at the moment, things are a little bit different in terms of rehoming because of coronavirus and the various different restrictions but you know we do have cats and kittens that are available for rehoming and you know on an average year we rescue over 30,000 cats so you know not all of those will be available for rehoming but you know a a good few thousand will go through um, to be you know potentially great family um, pets so we'd urge people to have a look on our website so the best thing to do is for them to go onto our SPCA's website and look at find a pet Um, and then what you can do is you can actually download an application form and send that to the centre um, where the cat or kitten that you're interested in is currently living. What will then happen is that you will get a phone call or an email from the rehoming centre and the application process will actually be done online at the, at the current um, due to current circumstances around coronavirus. And you'll probably be asked a few questions, maybe to send in photographs or videos of your home. And that's so that the centre can just do a few um, bits and pieces, just make sure, you know, is there anything that we might spot in your home or in your garden that might be of a consideration that we'd ask you to do something before we would rehome? Um, And it may be possible, depending upon what area people are in, to actually meet your new cat or kitten by appointment but it very much is going to depend upon the individual animal and that center and then providing everything looks like it's going to be a really really good match then you should be able to collect your new cat or kitten by appointment from the rehoming center although in some cases it may well be that the animal is actually delivered to your home but you'll be told this you know in terms of when you make contact with that rehoming center but now, certainly in terms of adoption, you will be getting that ongoing support as well from the rehoming centre. So whether you take in a kitten or a cat, and if you've got any problems or questions, you will carry on getting help from the centre. Cool. And so how long How long does the, I mean, again, I suppose it depends, doesn't it? But how long does the, the process last? Is it a matter of weeks, a month? It really just does just depend. I think, you know, it's one of those things that often for people, it can take them quite a bit of time to find a cat or kitten that they would like to adopt. Mm. Um, And it's then very much sort of, we look to, you know, we hope to turn around um, adoptions as quickly as possible. Because obviously from our point of view, it's great to get cats and kittens out into homes, but there'll be some cats or kittens that'll take a bit longer. Perhaps they've got specific medical needs or behavioural needs. But I guess the one thing that I would say is um, is that you know people often have in their mind a particular colour cat or colour kitten that they would really like to have. And we'd really urge people to be very open-minded when it comes to the cats or kittens that they would adopt. You know, for example, people talk a lot about black cats being overlooked. Now, one of the big problems with, with black cats is that it's very difficult to see the individual amongst all those black ones so but obviously what we what we ask people to do is just be very open-minded think about perhaps the personality of cat or kitten that they would like but also their circumstances and their lifestyle and we will then work with them to find them a good match for a cat or kitten that has a personality that lends itself to that adopter or their family so it's about trying to encourage people to look beyond appearance um, and think about personality and behavior yeah so so the, the black cat thing we, we do we do put um a campaign awareness thing around every halloween as well i mean 
what is the stigma? Why don't people love black cats? Black cats are beautiful. There's a, I mean, there's a little bit of superstition around uh, around some black cats, but I think you know probably one of the big things is that is that we often have lots of them in our care, and I think that's the same for a lot of cat rehoming organisations. And so it's quite difficult for people to. I mean, you know, some people want want something that's quite different or quite unique. So they will tend to overlook. You know, we, we see this with certain types of dogs as well. Yeah. You know, they'll end up with dogs of a particular colour that get that get overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is about you know trying to see beyond just their appearance and their coat colour and to really get to know their personalities and their behaviour. Because um, like you say, you know, they're, they're all individual characters. They've all got something very unique and different to offer. Um, and so it's about putting aside any, I guess, any preconceived ideas people might have and just see what would make a really good match for their lifestyle. I mean, I, I guess the one thing that's worth mentioning as well is that um, just because of the re- reproductive behaviour of cats, we um, enter our kitten season every year around April time that runs through to around September. And so that's generally when we will see cats becoming pregnant and then um, obviously having litters of kittens and them coming into our care. So again, you know, people that may be thinking about getting a kitten, but visit a website obviously the RSPCA's website and there's nothing available it's about you know just also being prepared to be a bit patient and to wait because we will have kittens that do come through and you know there are certain periods of the year like the kitten season over summer where we will be inundated with kittens okay thank you Dr Sam um, Carleen, we know that there's also been a rise in people buying kittens from breeders as well as uh, getting them from adoption homes. So how do you go about researching a reputable breeder? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe this has increased now due to demand as well. But, you know, you sort of get your your pedigree breeders, which are very like dog breeders, I guess. Um, and then um, with your moggies, often they are um, they're not necessarily planned litters. Um, so it might be a kitten that escaped that hadn't been neutered yet Um, although maybe at the moment with the increased demand we are seeing more people um, breeding on on, on purpose Um, obviously if you get your kitten or cat from a a rescue centre or charity you know there's a really good process to make sure you get matched with the with the right um, kitten for for your environment but if you are going um, to someone direct and and are buying a kitten um, yeah, like the puppy contract, there is something similar for cats, actually, and it's called the kitten checklist. So that's nice. definitely worth um, looking at. And hopefully we can link that in the show notes. But it basically, you know, it's a, it's a list of things to find out um, before you visit the kitten, what to look for when you are visiting the kitten. Um, and so, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good um, comprehensive guide. Um there are actually quite a lot of things you should look at before you you visit the kitten because you know we all know that once you see the kitten it may be hard to resist so um, you know do your prep work make make sure you find out as much as you can um before before visiting and very similar to dogs I guess um you know it covers things like when was the kitten born can you see the kitten with its mother was it raised with its mother and where was it born where is it spending most of its time you know we talked about socialization what's it been exposed to um has the kitten got litter litter maids do they play together the father um 
you know, especially um, when it comes to moggies, um, might not always know who the father is. But in pedigree cats, generally, um, you you know, the breeder should know. Um, and then, yeah, just interaction with people, sound, sight, smells. You know, is it, is it a busy household or are there kids, cats, other cats, dogs um, is, is all really important. Um, in terms of when it comes to pedigree kittens, I think, again, because at the moment there is quite a high demand, you might find some people trying to um, flog a kitten saying it's pedigree when it actually isn't. So yeah. there might be some specific things to check if you are set on getting a pedigree. Um, there are some um, groups, a bit like the Kennel Club in Dogs. Um, so there's the Government Council of the Cat Fancy and um, something called Peelis Britannica and, and, and another organisation as well, which you, you'll find in the kitten checklist. Um, but it just means that the breeder is likely to have complied with certain rules that these organizations set so yeah. um it kind of um ensures that you you do get the the paperwork about the pedigree that that you should be entitled to because of course these kittens cost a lot more money if you are getting a kitten from a private home or breeder obviously do make sure you see it with its mother and, and look at how the mother is is she healthy how does she interact with you and the kittens is she friendly and confident because that will generally mean that those traits are passed on as well if you do sort of, you know, feel that something's a little bit off, should you be reporting that to the RSPCA? So, I mean, definitely, in terms of, I think what's really important for people to be aware of is that um, there'll be probably lots of people that are listening to the podcast that have heard of Lucy's Law, and we tend to think about that being in relation to dogs, but actually it re relates both to puppies and to kittens. Okay. And so the legislation that came in into England and means that anyone that is wanting to get a new puppy or a kitten must now buy direct either from the breeder or consider adopting from a rescue centre instead. So, you know, those that's absolutely critical that people are, are aware of that. Um, but yeah, like you said, if you have got concerns, I mean, generally what we say to people is that if something doesn't feel right, then absolutely they should walk away or, you know, if they're being pressured into a sale or being asked to part with money unexpectedly or, you know, and not being given over any of the information that Carleen's talking, spoken about, yeah. that very much should be a red flag. And absolutely reporting to local authority, reporting to the RSPCA or the police. OK, thanks, Sam. So um, what else do you need to check for uh, if you're buying from a private home or a breeder? So, yeah, obviously... You know, I didn't really say this earlier, but um, depending on local restrictions, again, if we're, if we're still um, in a pandemic, you might not be able to go physically into someone else's home. But hopefully um, sort of virtually you can you can check quite a lot as well. But yeah. you know, generally having a look of the environment, is it clean? You know, either beds, litter trays, water and food bowls. And and um, again, I keep referring to it, but the kitchen checklist has a really nice sort of top to tail guide. Right. So you can carry out your own little health check on, on the kitten when you go visit it. Um, you know, there are some simple checks you can do. You don't have to be a vet for that to, to sort of um, check um, certain, I guess, health indicators. And then finally, you know, if 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 you have picked your kitten, you've decided um, to take take one home, and um, you've gone to pick it up. Um, getting information like whether they've been treated for worms and fleas, whether they're vaccinated, whether they're microchipped, um, I would say those are all things that uh, a reputable breeder will will be um, will be doing and be able to give you that information sort of straight away um, when you ask for it. Um, so again, something to look for. Great. OK, some brilliant advice there from both Sam and Carleen. 
Thank you so much. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. And remember, if you have anything in particular that you'd like us to talk about, or if you want to simply let us know how we're doing with these podcasts, and I hope you're enjoying them, please do get in touch at kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. That's the email address to write to us, kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. And you can also find us via at Pets at Home UK on Instagram and on Twitter our tag is at Pets at Home and more information on how you can join the Kitten Club which supports you and your kitten with expert advice and exclusive offers throughout their first year all the information can be found on our website petsathome.com okay so that's everything tied up and join us next time for all things kitten bye bye